0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to handle the last uh, beatitude, uh, which is the Latin word translation uh, for blessed or fortunate or happy. Um, And as we look at this, um, he saved the last one for maybe the most difficult one for us to understand. uh, As we look at uh, what he What Jesus sees as the distinction of His own kingdom. How life is different. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd love to read to you uh, the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. God's Word says this. "Uh, Seeing the crowds, He went up on the mountain. And when He sat down, His disciples came to Him. And He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, I ask your blessing on your word, that it would find a good soil of our hearts, that you would be doing a work in us today. God, make us humble. Um, Most of the time, Lord, we struggle with our own thoughts. And uh, in pride, we say, this is a good message for someone else. God, cause us to be tender before you, listening to your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so, as we read through this list of the Beatitudes, as we consider uh, God's word, he puts a list before us. And as I shared the last couple of weeks, I think that he is saying, let me show you around my kingdom. Let me show you about what I'm here to present to you and to call you to. And it's my kingdom. Uh, I feel like he is highlighting not that which is the same, but that which is different. Let me explain it to you like this. Uh, Picture yourself as a realtor. That's kind of funny for some of you uh, uh, because you just don't have the personality for it or you'd already be doing it. But a realtor shows houses and many of you have been on that whole deal of showing a house. And what if you went to buy a house and the realtor uh, goes up to the door and they have that funny little box. They get the key out and they go to the front door and before they're getting ready and they say, yeah, I want to show you this. This right here, it's the front door. Just wanted to tell you that. And then they say, oh, yeah. And this right here, as they put the key in, this is the door handle. The door handle. And they go throughout the house pointing out things that are super obvious because they're part of a house. That's not what a realtor does. A realtor points out things that are different. And as we look at what Jesus is showing about his kingdom... They already know what it is to live in the world. They already know what it is to be living and uh, spending days. Jesus is presenting to them that which is different. And this morning, as we look at uh, this particular one, it couldn't be more different than the world that we live in. I think also, as we look at the the one this morning, uh, he is warning them about that which is unexpected. You think about a time where you go to the doctor and you're sick, and you say, uh, "I got this ailment." And the doctor checks you out, and you do, and and they say, you "Say take this medicine." But I need to tell you, um, you may still feel sick the next couple of days, but it will work. It will work in time, uh, and and you might you know you might get, get a little upset to your stomach, but that will go away, and you'll get better. Uh, if the doctor doesn't warn you about those things, most of us are like this. We, you know, we leave the doctor. We get the little bottle of pills. We pop them, and we say, "How come I'm not feeling better? I took the pill. When's this, this going to work? I, 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 I'm not feeling any better. Or, or maybe that that side effect k- kicks in, and you say, "Oh, mess, I feel a little sick to my stomach. Oh, that couldn't be right. I'm done. I'm done." And this morning, I believe that Jesus is trying to warn us that we need to see this as true, even if it may not seem like it today. A warning for us about the future. I think this morning also, he he desires to describe for us the climate we are in. And if I could say it this way, it's important, at least now, to envision his kingdom within another kingdom that we have a climate that we are in. It's as if Christ's kingdom is in the midst of enemy territory. There, there's a kingdom that we are in the midst of. And though Jesus describes to us his own kingdom, right outside of that is another kingdom pressing in. And so this morning, as we look at this, I want to remind you once again, I've told you this the last couple of weeks, that this is not a list of, For us to accomplish in self-effort. Most of us understand, uh, at least in our clearer moments, that self-effort doesn't work. That just trying to be better, to add some things to our life, uh, it's frustrating. Because we get really good at doing something. We feel good about ourselves. We we enjoy, we get puffed up in pride, and then we fail. And we go, oh, I thought I was better than this. Oh, I thought I could do it. And this is not a list for you doing better. This list is how Jesus sees life. And he says, cling to my hand. Walk with me. And with me, I will be with you. I will give you power. I will give you success. I'll I'll allow you to succeed in doing things my way by my power. And as you walk with me, it's not apart from him. You say, why am I so tired both of my own sins this morning and of trying to do good? The reason you're so tired is because you're depending on your own strength to live. And so this morning, as Jesus presents to us one more point in the way he sees life, we need to remember that this is not to do on our own, but it's to cling to Jesus as he lays out what his kingdom is like. Remind you also that the word blessed um, is the idea of fortunate or happy life or the the idea of that life that is to be enjoyed and the fullness and and the sense of goodness to your life. This is best for you. So we look down at verse 10. It It says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted. Uh, after the service, we have a sign-up sheet uh, out in the lobby. It's called uh, "It's for those who want to be persecuted." I'd ask that you would sign your name, put your phone number there, and we'll contact you when we're ready for you. That doesn't sound like a very good thing, does it? Blessed are the, for persecution. Uh, when you think about that, it just strikes us, and you go, "Persecution! I've I've lived my whole life trying to avoid that." Trying to avoid that, we we go to school, and you, you go to school, and you might be wearing some shoes or a shirt, some type of outfit or something like that, and people make fun of you, and you say to yourself, mental note to self, don't wear that shirt again, another <laughs> shoes, you know, and you say uh, if uh, if they're too bright, I'm going to tone it down, if they're not what everyone else is, I'll kind of try to blend in, blend in. Persecution, we, we steer clear of it. We we find someone who who picks on someone, and we say, okay, alter your path, walk the other way. You know, uh, they picked on me at dodgeball this this day. I, I won't play dodgeball. You know, I'll go play foursquare. You know, we think about that, and you say, I'm just describing kids, but we do that as adults too. If anything's too hard, if there's any kind of pressure or pushback, we say, uh, go the other way. That's what persecution is, in fact, by definition. As you look at this word to persecute, it means, uh, it it has the picture of putting to flight, putting to flight, causing to run, causing to run. It's pain brought into someone's life purposefully to get them to stop doing something uh, that you want to drive them away from. That's what persecution it is. It's not just pain. It's not just being mean. It's the idea of trying to stop a particular um, action or function. It's the idea of inflicting suffering. And you say, um, back up. You know, what does the Word of God say? We'll read it again. Verse 10 Blessed are those who are persecuted. You say, "Oh, I don't get it. How does this come together? How can it be fortunate? How can it be the good life? How can there be a sense of fullness to life while being persecuted?" Well, um, I want you to turn over, and before we're going to really get there, I wanted you to turn over to First Peter. I know I don't do this very often, but couldn't help myself this morning. Uh, First Peter, chapter four. And this particular section of 1 Peter, um, really pretty much the whole book of 1 Peter is dealing with these trials and sufferings, persecutions. But I want you to get this. I want you to make this distinction to persecution. This, um, There's all kinds of persecution in the world. Some of it's justified. Okay, We'll get there in a moment. But um, this is talking about suffering. If you look down at... Chapter 4, verse, well, let's start at verse 14. It's very similar. It says this, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Kind of sounds the same, right? If you're insulted uh, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and God rest upon you. Verse 15, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify in that name. Glorify God in that name. What is verse 15 saying? Look, Look at it again. He's saying sometimes you deserve persecution and suffering. He's making a distinction of what kind of pain enters your world. And, and it's important when your life gets hard to ask this this one question. Do I deserve it? Do I deserve it? Is this me making sinful choices? Sinful, I, I, I'm sinning, and this is what happens. Let me, let me say it like this. Forgive me for bringing this up. I know we have some students here today. Um, and this might hit a little too close to home. I'm doing this because the older people can't handle if I get too specific in their life. And they're going to see it in yours and they'll benefit from it. So it's a good deal all the way around. Um, This time of year, come to the end of a school year, I hear this from students from time to time. The teacher is so mean. (laughs) They're so mean. And you say, well, why are they mean? Oh, they're just awful. I, I, I don't even know why they teach because they're just so mean. Well, what'd they do? They gave me an F. They gave me an F. They did. Yeah. Why'd they give you an F? Because they're mean. That's why. They're a mean teacher. Because mean teachers give kids. Who would give someone an F? And you say, well, why'd they give you an F? You know, Did you do your homework? Oh, no, I didn't do my homework. Uh, how well did you do on the test? Oh, I didn't study, so I didn't do very well. And, but that's just mean to give someone an F. You follow the reasoning here? Most of the time when people get F's, you know what? They earned it. It, it, was a, it, was a, it was a line thing, right? Their name was there. And then you go on this side right here, their assignments. And their grades are put in there. And it's just a math problem at the end, right? There's nothing personal. You earned an F. And, and I think sometimes in life we make a, a, an unclear distinction. We say, oh, my life is so hard. Well, did you earn it? Did you earn the hard life? Have you made choices? Now, I want to tell you, someone told me this one time. They were, they were talking about something difficult. And they said, you know, uh, they were describing some part of their life. And they said, well, what was it like? And he says, well, it was kind of like banging your head against a rock wall. And I'm like, oh, it feels really good when you stop. It feels really good. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you're making things that are bringing pain to your life, stop! Honor the Lord. Guess what? The pain described in verse 15 won't come to you anymore. Uh, It it won't be the pattern of what's going on. It it will be something that you you will be that in relationship to Christ, not opposed to his word. So you look back, flip back to Matthew chapter 5. What kind of persecution is found in chapter 5, verse 10? Is it just being persecuted? No, it's a distinct kind of persecution. Persecution for the sake of what? Righteousness. Skip up a few verses. Uh, Haven't we talked about righteousness before already? If you look in uh, chapter um, 5, verse 6, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's being right in the eyes of God. It's following after his will. It's submitting your life to the one that he who made you to the life that he had laid out before you. And he says, hunger and thirst for what God thinks for your life. That's the way to blessing. And now he says it again. He says, At cost. At cost. You say, well, what does that mean at cost? Even if you're persecuted. Even if you're persecuted. While being persecuted. You say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I wanted the happy blessing. I was with you until you started saying that the path of that will lead straight through persecution. It'll be hard. Um... We make choices all the time. We make choices all the time. We, we look at stuff and we say, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And Jesus warns us that life in his kingdom, life with him, eternal, the path of that will not be around persecution that you won't miss out on it, but it will be straight through it. That will be part of the path of blessing for you. It's tough to get, isn't it? Uh, You know, even as I share some of this, I'm kind of going, wow, that's tough. That's tough to think about. He says, you know, persecution is paying the price, right? Paying the price. It's not that you have to earn your salvation. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, if you choose salvation, if you submit to the Lord, if you follow after him, his kingdom is not without persecution. It's with persecution. And that's part of his blessing. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Haven't we heard about that too? Look down at ver- up, up at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit? The spiritually bankrupt. And you say, who is that? That's you. Write your name next to verse 3 right there. Spiritually bankrupt. I have no spiritual resource. Why is that good? Because it, it's, it's the process by which we get salvation. I confess I have nothing. I, in fact, what I do know is that I have sin. And that doesn't, uh, if you have a spiritual bank account, sin deposited there doesn't make a plus. It makes a minus, okay? And he says spiritually bankrupt. Why? What is it about being spiritually bankrupt? Because those are the people that Jesus saves. And what what is, what is that that comes out of the spiritual bankruptcy? Verse 3. What is it? The kingdom. Kingdom. And as you connect that, his telling us of salvation, what does he also tell us? As you look at verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, look, I want to warn you. There's going to be some pain down here. It is not what, it's not, um, When you do what God has that is right, everything's going to be fine. Everyone's going to like you. Everyone's going to uh, clap and cheer. They're going to give you medals. They're going to honor you. They're going to say, you're the best. Everyone wants to be like you. That's not going to happen. When is it not going to happen? When you do what God wants. If you don't do what God wants, there may be a cheering, you know, there may be a sense of rejoicing. There may be a sense of popularity and affirmation. But When you do what God wants, he's saying, I warn you that it's not going to be like that. Persecution. Um, I believe what he's saying in verse 10 is I want to warn you, but it's mostly there. It's mostly there. It's not here. It's there. You know, the the persecution comes down here, but it's mostly there. What you receive is far greater than what you will experience. It's almost as if a trigger, and we're going to move on here in a moment, and I'll say this again. It's almost a trigger in our mind. Persecution comes into our life, and it causes us pause. We're like, whoa, whoa. And they came on strong. They don't like me. There, there's pressure coming into my life, and you ask the question. You go through the questions. Well, am I doing something wrong? I say no. I do do things wrong. I'm always involved in sin in one way or another. But this person, this is coming from doing what's right. Well, whoa. Should I quit doing what's right? No, it should trigger in us the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. I'm living this way down here, and it's wrong down here, and things are wrong today. Not because I did what was wrong, but because there's persecution. I am behind enemy lines. I think sometimes we we want to forget that that we have an enemy down here. Do you know that we have an enemy? And I I don't want to just say we have an enemy. We have enemies that are connected to the original enemy, right? And there's a sense of desire for us to what? To alter our course. Following after God. Following after God. I'm walking with Him. Persecution comes. Well, I don't like persecution. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should back away. Maybe I should take another route. Um, we, most of us do that all the time, don't we? Something hurts too much. We quit. Uh, we seek places of comfort. We gather people around us that will agree with us. You know, um, we do this all the time. You know, if you don't like what your parents say, go talk to your friends. They'll more than willingly complain about their parents with you, more than willing. You know if, uh, it, it, you know if your husband, if your husband you don't like what your wife's doing and you want to complain about her, go find your your buddies. Don't find the ones that like their wife. Don't find the ones that want to complain with you. Gather them. You know you go. And if you find someone who doesn't agree with you, what do you do? Note to self, don't talk to them about that anymore. I'll find somebody else. It's a path of comfort. It's a path of least resistance. We do this all the time. Everybody does this. I'm not not excluding anyone, including the preacher this morning, okay? We do this all the time. We go, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. It's unpopular. People don't like me. What will so-and-so think? What will so-and-so think? What are they going to say when they find? Forget about it. Forget about it. Jesus is laying out his kingdom. He's saying, this is the way I do things. This is what happens when you do them. This is the best for you. He says, pay the price. It's not a big deal because it's the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. It's well worth it. So what does he do in verse 11? He says it again. Look at verse 11. I believe believe he's, he's just expounding on it. He's making it more personal. Blessed are you. He's not just talking about the nameless masses. Now he's pointing. He's pointing. Blessed are you, Kevin. Do you get it? It's good for you. You say, well, you know, I was... I was okay with that message when it was kind of anonymous, right? Hypothetical. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen that in other people's lives. It's good that they're here today. It's good that they're here because they're here in this way. No. Blessed are you. Target's on. The, the, the pointer's on you. That red dot is right here. Blessed are you. And then he continues to make it personal. Blessed are you when others... Revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Uh, what, is, what is reviling, persecuting, and talking mean about people? What is it? That's, that's the one we hate the most, right? They're talking about me. They're talking about me. Well, I better do something so they don't talk bad about me anymore. When somebody talks bad about you, what do you want to do? I want to straighten them out. I want to confront them. I want them to know that they can't talk about me. Some of you want to punch them, and you're ladies, and you want to punch them. They talk bad about your kids. Woo! Ferocious. You say, "I want to straighten this all out." And and what is, what does Jesus say? Blessed are you. Are you when people are talking bad about you? They're saying things that are mean and untrue and they're pressing on you, wanting you to stop. Wanting you to stop, what righteousness following after God living as he would want you to live. They're pressuring you to cave. And he says it again. He says, you're, ble- you're blessed when they persecute you. In fact, in verse 12, well, I, I want to point this one thing out before we move on. Why? On my account, on my account. He's talking personally. He says, you and them and this relationship. It's it's this persecuting, mean words, all this stuff. And you say, boy, that's personal. I hate it when people talk bad about me. And he says, no, they're not talking bad about you. It's on my account. It's on my account. If you wouldn't be a follower of me, they wouldn't talk. And so don't take it personally. You say, how can you not take it personally? Well, real simply... (laughs) when you know it's Jesus, when you know it's Jesus. And I want to tell you, well, what's the next word? What's the next word? Rejoice. And you're saying, oh, now you're going over the top. Kevin rejoice, have joy, be happy inside, be bursting forth. How can I do that? It's on his account. Are you making this connection? Because you are a part of his kingdom, and you have a new king, and that because of your connection with the new king, they don't like you. But it's not because it's not nothing personal to you; it's personal to him. And he's a king, and he can handle it. So you're blessed. Rejoice, rejoice. Verse twelve. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. Where? In heaven. In heaven. It ain't here. If we're looking for it down here, we're going to be confused. We're going to say, "I don't feel any better. I did what was right. I don't feel any better. In fact, I feel worse." You know what? What now? Hey, it's in heaven. So there's a, a sense of understanding and saying, "I'm getting better. I know it. I this is this is what he told me. He warned me about this." And then he says this last thing. He says, "So, uh, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you." As you read that, what do you know about the prophets? Well, uh, the who is speaking to in the book of Matthew mostly uh, Jews who are struggling to figure out what it is to follow Christ and how, how that's going to work out, that he they would follow Jesus and abandon the old way, old way being full of rules and you know trying to be good. It's not working very well. But now it's new. It's a new kingdom. And he, he lays it out and he says, you'll be just like the prophets. And those of you who are Bible scholars here this morning, you're thinking, I don't want to be like the prophets. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about what the prophets, you know, a lot of those guys, they didn't treat very well. They didn't listen to them. They mocked them. They imprisoned them. They beat them. They threw them out of town. They hated them. And you say, I want to be like the prophets. And I want to ask you this morning, why don't you want to be like the prophets? Why don't you want to be like the prophets? And you say, Kevin, you just listed out the reasons why I don't want to be a prophet. And I I would agree those things are all true. But you know what the prophets were? A messenger of God. A messenger of God. You know what they had? They had a relationship with the God who made them. Why don't you want to be like the prophets? They had a message. They, they, they were sharing a message. They had a relationship. And, and you say, well, I don't know. You, know. you know what? You know what the prophets were? They were right. Every message they shared that came from God, they were right. Don't you want to be right? Or do you want to be wrong? You know, live your life based on lies and following after. Unt- don't you want to be like the prophets? And as you you think about the prophets' lives and, you know, you say, well, some of it just was like that till the end. Don't you want to be like the prophets? Because after this life was over, they went to be with him. This morning, um, I realized that the idea of persecution isn't popular. And most of us, all of us, would like to avoid it. But the message this morning is this that persecution is part of the path and that it is worth it. It is worth it. And you say, well, what's the price? Well, it might be a high price. Um, I want to tell you, uh, prices are all relative, right? $1,000 is a lot of money, right? It is, isn't it? Thousand. Some of you aren't agreeing with me and we're going to pass the plate once again. If you don't think $1,000 is a lot of money, Put three in, okay? Thousand dollars is a lot of money if you're buying a cheeseburger, right? Right? Thousand dollar cheeseburger? I don't get it. But if I if I said to you, uh, you can buy a house for a thousand dollars, you'd say that's a steal. That's a steal. I want to tell you that's the kind, that's what we're talking about here. Persecution, and you say, oh, I don't like persecution. I want to tell you it's nothing compared to the riches that we have in heaven. Nothing. Let me pray with you. And God, thank you for this morning. God, you're so uh, good and kind to us. God, I ask that uh, in your kindness and your mercy, as Jesus sat with his disciples and mercifully taught them these things, God, that you would be kind and compassionate to us to teach us these things. God, sometimes we're slow to learn. And This morning, I ask that you quicken our hearts through your Holy Spirit. That you would uh, stir in us a desire, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And even embracing the persecution that comes with it. God, thank you for each one here this morning. I ask your blessing on us as we have heard your word. May it impact us and change us to be more like you. We thank you in Jesus' name.